1: What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man.
0: The gospel never tells us something to do. The gospel tells us about something that's been done.
1: Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp, and my co-host is Rachel Miller. And today we're going to talk about the Hebrew Roots movement This is something that we get a lot of um, posts in the Facebook group about. Uh, There's a lot of girls that have family or friends that have gotten involved with it. And so, you know, they're trying to understand what it is, what the problems are with it, and how to respond to it. Um, One of the things that I think is important to know just before we get started is I'm sure our listeners probably know you know, my dad converted from um, Judaism. So, half my family is Jewish, although there's been a few converts to Christianity. And sometimes when um, Jews convert to Christianity, they'll be part of a um, Messianic congregation. So, Hebrew roots and Messianic Jews is not the same thing. I think sometimes people think it's the same thing, but it's, it's not. But I will say about both Messianic congregations and Hebrew roots um, as two separate things that they're not they're not a monolithic group. So within Messianic Ju- Judaism, you can find a lot of differences among them. and it's important for me to say, you know starting out here, that that is definitely true in the Hebrew roots. I, I don't want someone to listen to this and be like, well, I'm Hebrew roots and I don't believe that because it's very possible we'll talk about things within the movement that don't apply. Uh, to all believers of Hebrew roots, uh, in fact, one of the things I did this week—it's kind of interesting—is I had found a blog by a woman uh, that uh, claims Hebrew roots, and in that blog, it was kind of interesting just to read what she had to say. And one of the things is she said, "You know, people say Hebrew roots believe this. Well, I don't believe that." And so, there—if you have someone in your life that that is Hebrew roots, all of these things may not apply to them. But just just for um, starters, in its simplest form, it's a movement that advocates return to Torah observance. And sometimes along with that, they will incorporate Jewish culture. Uh, Some of the people that I've met, they almost kind of look like my Hasidic Jewish family, or they're they're trying to be that, even with um, their appearance. If you've ever seen Hasidic Jews, so um, they have their hair a certain way. In I don't know, I don't know that Hebrew Roots does this, but Hasidic Jews a lot of times the women uh, wear wigs. Uh, some of the Hebrew Roots people I know definitely the women wear long skirts all the time, which is true of uh, Hasidic Jews also. So. It's not only this Torah observance, but it is also in trying to incorporate certain aspects of Jewish culture into their life. So they definitely do Sabbath. Now, Messianic Jews and Hebrew roots um, believe in a Saturday Sabbath. So from uh, Friday sundown to s- Saturday sundown, and uh, depending on you know who the um, Hebrew roots person is how serious that they would take that. So, like a Hasidic Jew, um, there is it, it would be different than Reformed people that believe in holding to the Sabbath. So, you know, don't drive a car. Um, if you've ever been in a a, a um, Jewish neighborhood on a Saturday morning, for instance, you will see you know people walking to synagogue and stuff like that. But the other thing that they will, the Hebrew roots will incorporate into their, you know, faith is celebrating the Jewish holidays, the feasts and things like things like that. Um, so, have you s- seen any of this, Rachel?
0: You know, it, it's interesting. We, I remember uh, a family in a church when I was a teenager um, that I think that they were being, I didn't understand what it was at the time, but looking back, having listened to your explanation and some other things I've read, I'm pretty sure that this is what they were being kind of drawn into. They left after not too long, but they were starting to do a lot of these things uh, in their, their own lives and wanting the church to do it too. Um, it, it just interesting talking about, you know, the differences within the communities and, and who does what um, it reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, my husband's family come um, from an Amish Mennonite background and within Amish Mennonite communities, there's a lot of differences between who does what and how they do it and what it looks like and what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. And it, it can be very, it can be down to, you know, your bishop and what he says you can do versus the community in the next town. You know, that's, you know, it, it's just interesting to me to see how religious communities like this um you know when each of them will be saying that you know they're doing things the most faithful way to what they hold, um there's still a lot of differences in how they apply that
1: that's that's a really good um, comparison with the mm-hmm. and I never thought about that before, but it it is very similar to like the differences you see between different um, communities of Amish and Mennonite because even in I forget the number now, but, I had heard it recently and I was really shocked, um, of how many different communities of Hasidic Jews. And this wasn't just, you know, living in the same neighborhood. This was, um, their practices varied, Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, a a lot of, a lot of the Hasidic Jewish women, you know, wear a wig, but then this community over here didn't, you know, or, um, they they differed on whether they were okay with having the internet and how mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. they were okay with having the internet and and one of the communities had decided to make movies for um Hasidic people and you know so it's, it's kind of fascinating and I, I had watched a documentary and it's interesting hearing their reasons behind mm. some of these mm-hmm. kind of practical rules that they I don't know. I don't know if anyone in reform circles that's done a huge amount uh, of work on Hebrew roots. There is, there is, a girl that used to be in theology gals, a friend of mine that did, has done so much research and kind of got to n- know some women that were coming out of it. And um, but Chris Rosebro, you may be familiar with him. He has fighting for the faith. It's a lot of polemical type. Um, Stuff, Pirate Christian Radio, he has. And he has done a lot of work on Hebrew roots. And there was one thing he did, I couldn't find it before we recorded. I'm going to still look for it, but I did find some other stuff. And I'll link that because he digs in even more deeply. I mean, you could you could talk forever about all of the the different things in it, but I will uh I will link link that
0: for people who you know, who say that they're Christians, what is the appeal of Hebrew roots? Like, what is it that they're getting or they feel like they're getting from it that is the
1: attraction? So, I had thought a lot about this. And um, so, on something I listened to on Chris Rosebro, he really thought it was kind of a emotional sort of Thing, but I was I was also thinking we've talked before about kind of how our default is to be legalists, mm. and I I think that we see this whether it be in reform circles or or any circle the tendency to want to do something. So mm. now I'm doing these things so I feel good like I'm being a good Christian. Wonder you know I I'm not sure I do know that um, there is some women who have gotten into it through Facebook groups that are Hebrew roots and I think there's something about belonging to a community I think sometimes these women are just looking for a community to belong to and you know any sort of community that that we belong to there are things that that we do you know where we recognize mm-hmm. that person over there you know even if it's that there's presbyterian in their church name you know that there's something that that unites us. I think there's probably some of that. I primarily have. I mean, obvi- this is not any big surprise. I primarily run into women, but i I think sometimes we like to we like to do works that and feel good about that. Oh, I can wear dresses every day. You know, I can do that. So uh, I think that also we like to be different. You know, we're not like those Christians over there and we all mm-hmm. can do that to some degree. We do things right over here. So I, I don't know. It might be interesting to talk to people that were in it and came out about what mm. um, attracted them. So a, my friend that has, she's kind of helped some women that have, that were part of it and came out saw the problems with it and um. And she told she had joined one of these Facebook groups and she said that you know someone would join and get to know this kind of lifestyle and oh look at I'm wearing um skirts now or and I think some of them were head coverings. Mm-hmm. Um I've seen that like all the time and so I think I think people like to belong and feel like they're doing something um to be a good you know, quote unquote Christian.
0: Mm-hmm. It's absolutely fascinating to me. So, what what are some of the basics? Like, how did it get started? What are the the roots and the roots of Hebrew roots?
1: Yeah. So, the big thing with Hebrew roots is they think that the church strayed from their Hebrew roots, and so being Christ-like. Is doing things like Christ. I mean, there's even in some of the stuff because I went on some actual Hebrew Roots website. There's talk about circumcision. So I mm-hmm. now I'm not going to verify this, but I'm I'm thinking like if you have an uncircumcised male that becomes this might have to go do that. So you know Jesus was circumcised, so you should be circumcised. And Jesus celebrated Passover. I I read something like that on one of these sites. So you should celebrate, you know, Passover and for a lot of the Hebrew roots, we could say, um, yeah, we can show scripture <laughs> that's, that shows that you're wrong. But some of them, and, and I'm going to say some of them a lot because I, they're not monolithic, but some of them believe that um, our the modern translations of scripture are wrong. So, you could say, well, this is what the Bible says. Well, what What translation? And some of them, they actually will go to Hebrew school, learn Hebrew. So some of them will think that it should um, that scripture. Now that that would be extreme because that would take a lot uh, to do Mm -hmm. that. Um, Now I don't. I'm just as a side note, since my dad grew up Jewish, going to what's called Hebrew school is uh, what young Jewish boys and girls do. Uh, prior right. to their um, to their bar mitzvah or bat mitzvahs is when they become a, a officially a man or officially a woman, even though they're still teenager. And so I know that some, there, I I know that some uh, Messianic Jews do too, um, because. We, my dad was friends with a messianic Jewish rabbi that um, that they had. And he had told me that they had Hebrew school. I know that my dad told me, like that's not always the case for messianic congregations. So, but this one, he
0: told me they did. It's interesting to me, you know, there's, if they're saying that the the modern translations. Um, you aren't accurate or or aren't faithful, what, I mean, considering the new Testament was written primarily in, in Greek. What is the the appropriate translation of the new Testament? I understand you, the Hebrew old Testament, but for the new Testament,
1: what I'm, I'm not sure. I I'm really, I'm really not sure, but that's a, that's a good question. I had only read on, on one of their sites. Mm -hmm that um, they they think that um, that Christianity was perverted by certain things you know throughout church history to really Gre-
0: I think I read particularly Greek and Roman um, yes culture yes um, which again right. you know the New Testament's written in Greek like that's it, it is that's just yes true
1: that's just the reality yeah that's uh I don't know that's something I might have to see if i can ask one of these one of these people um sure. about it one one of the things okay so if you're going to follow torah one, one of the things that a lot of people have pointed out including chris Rosebro is there they're not i think it was him could have been someone else that i read but they're they're not Exactly consistent. Um, there are things within Jewish culture, there are things that are tradition, and then there are things that are law. I'm mm-hmm. not sure to what extent. I did know a woman that um they followed the Jewish cleanliness laws, so
0: um
1: mm-hmm. including, you know, husband can't touch his wife when she's unclean and, you know, things like that. But there are things in, in the law that, you know, are kind of impossible. Uh, today. Well, like,
0: what, what would they do about the sacrifices? And- right. Well, exactly. and, and I don't mean it like, I know, I know enough of in, in working with and, and reading about like modern Judaism. I, you know, that, there's, they, they take an approach that even the most, orth, most orthodox that the sacrifices are more of a, like a spiritual thing at, at this right. point, right? It's not a physical sacrifice, but a spiritual, which is, it's a very interesting, you have to do something with it, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, for those, and it's one thing when it's the culture that you were raised in, but for those who were not raised in this, who are choosing this, uh, this Hebrew roots movement as, as an application of Christianity or whatever to them you know how do you decide which parts of the law you're going to obey because you really can't
1: keep all of it like yeah there's just no way yeah that's where some of the inconsistencies i so one of the things and this is very difficult to talk about because how unclear some of the hebrew roots people are um and that has to do with what they believe about the gospel and faith and works and so, um, I believe that they have a false gospel, in in ones that I've talked to. So it kind of goes like this: And I listened to this one Hebrew Roots lady, where she says, "Oh, we don't we don't believe in faith and works, but um, true Christians will obey the law," which I guess you could say, you know when when we talk about, you know, when we're united to Christ and we're being sanctified and stuff that, you know, those in Christ will grow in obedience, but this is in a very different way. Um, Mm -hmm. True believers will obey Torah. And so I'm not, because again, because they aren't a monolithic group, I'm not sure how they work it, work it all out. The one Hebrew roots lady that I read uh, recently, she said, we don't believe in faith and works. We just believe that if you're a Christian, then you're going to follow Torah and do all of these things. And so um, there are points where it does, at least ones I've listened to, where it sure does sound like they're saying salvation by by the law and the gospel, um, something like that. I mean, they do recognize Christ's death on the cross. I don't even, it's so hard you know, it's I can't like go to the Hebrew root systematic theology book and figure out, right. you know, how this all works out. Some of it doesn't really make any sense to me coming from a covenant theology perspective. They seem to be more, you know, dispensational, mm, uh, yeah, for sure. Makes sense. Uh, very, very, very pro Israel, even to the point of, um, you know, some of them. It's like their dream. I'm going to go to the the homeland and and mm-hmm. visit. I read. You know, one thing that talked about how they'll, you know, brag. Well, I've been there five times, you know, and um, stuff like that. And one of the things, and I, I know this is not true of all of them, but it is true of some, and that's um, a denial of the Trinity. But again, they're very, very careful with their language. Um, this one Hebrew roots, roots woman, someone questioned her. Oh, oh no, we don't deny the Trinity. But then she said, we just say this though. I'm like, so you deny the Trinity? <laughs> you know, so. Um, so
0: what do they say?
1: I'm trying to remember, cause this was a while ago that I watched, well, I watched her mm-hmm. and the, and the gal that was in our group um, had kind of dug in. Uh, well, there actually was one that said, no, we do not believe in the Trinity. So I'm trying they it's what they believe specifically, which it, this is just one or two that, that I saw um, about who Jesus is. Um in how they believe he's the son of god not necessarily god but this that may just be outliers it might not necessarily be a lot in the movement of, as a whole but i know that there are some people that have said that they're um that hebrew roots isn't trinitarian so it, it's that's that's why it's so hard to describe this movement because of so many differences among them Certainly. so they they all want to get back to this Hebrew Jewish culture. Oh, the other thing is that they tend not to say Jesus, you know, they'll say things like Yeshua, Yeshua Yahweh, you know, stuff like that. If you've ever seen, uh, I see it all the time because with Jewish family and friends um, where um, they don't write out the name of God. Um, yes. mm-hmm. So they'll put like a G Dash D, something like that. So, uh, Hebrew roots tend to do that. You'll, I'll see it on Facebook periodically, um, mm-hmm. with someone that that does that. I had a, a little quote from Got Questions. Got Questions is a dispensational site, but they do have um, a, a pretty good write up. Maybe some different conclusions on the end. I wanted to um, read this quote because I thought it described it very well. Those of the Hebrew roots belief hold to the teaching that Christ's death on the cross did not end the Mosaic Covenant, but instead renewed it, expanded its message, and wrote it on the hearts of his true followers. They teach that the understanding of the New Testament can only come from a Hebrew perspective and that the teachings of the Apostle Paul are not understood clearly or taught correctly by Christian pastors today. So, you... So many things that they believe you can go, well, Paul says this though, but that's where they go with that, that they think that Paul's um, not taught correctly. I mean, there's so many things in the new, t- I mean, just look at Galatians, you know,
0: it, it, It's fascinating to me because, you know, it, in several points, it, it reminds me of, of common problems that we see. and you know, We've talked about before um, things like, um, people who um who who get works mixed up into salvation, right? That they yes. you know various ways in which we we add back like you said that we 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 want to do something right so we keep adding in works or demanding works from people. Um and we'll say we believe in in salvation by faith, but you know we when you drill down is all these things that we're adding. But also you know there's a, a lot of uh, and certainly in modern discussions, even within the Reformed uh, community, about, well, we, we, Paul's just been misunderstood. That's not really what Paul was saying. Paul was saying these other things, and so it, it's interesting to hear similar arguments being used um, with different applications, clearly, but
1: similar arguments being used. Especially if you go back through church history, it's the same thing over and over, just repackaged, mm-hmm. you know, from the early church to federal vision new perspective on Paul. There's something called the new finished interpretation of Luther. You know, they're all basically repackaged versions of, you know, a false gospel. And so we got more creative with it, I guess, but, and I think the fact we're warned, you know, just look at Galatians um, Mm -hmm. against these things, because I, I, I think that it's, we, we want something tangible that makes yes. us feel secure in our faith. Well, I did A, B, and C, and so I'm good with God. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, the true gospel is so beautiful, and we can rest and be free uh, to obey. Uh, but I think, I think our default is to want to do and to feel secure because we've done um, these things. Speaking of
0: Galatians, right, like that, that's, of course, you know, the first place I went in, in thinking about this discussion, how you'd respond, um, how this is not, a, like you said, this is not a new thing, right? This is not a new idea that, you know, we need to try to, or how we should try to incorporate um, you know, the Jewish practices of the Torah, the law into Christianity. And and you see, if you read through Acts, if you read through Paul's letters, the the balance that they're trying to strike between you know the the proper understanding of the old testament in light of the new testament and how we're to live. And you know Paul in Galatians just flat out says, you know, you foolish Galatians. How if if you've begun by the spirit, are you going to finish by the flesh? Right? How how are you going to do that? So good. Yeah. And why do you think you can? And other places where he says, you know, if you if you committed to keeping the law, you have to keep the whole thing. And the point is we can't, we never can. And we certainly
1: can't find our security there. Yeah. Even like the, the rich young ruler, um, mm-hmm. you know, I've done everything. Okay. We'll go sell all your, go sell all you have. And you haven't done, you haven't done everything that that's why I, I find so discouraging whether it's something like Federal Vision or this, because I think I would just be crushed under despair because I would never, I would know every day, I know every day now how I fail. Um, but when when I do, I get to go to the foot of the cross and remember that Christ lived a perfect life and died on the cross and that I'm forgiven and clothed in his righteousness that's my hope. Not, you know, good. I obeyed well today. Didn't tell any lies today. You know, didn't steal or murder. So I'm probably good. Um, and yet we know if we hated our, hated our brother, we are guilty.
0: Well, it's, it's all, either it's going to drive you to despair or it's going to drive you to pride yourself. Right. That these, this is the only way, you either you're you so misunderstand or mis, misunderstand what you're trying to do uh, or what you're supposed to do that you can say, yes, I did it all. Right. Or um, you realize the full weight of it and you say, I can't possibly. But neither way can you save yourself or assure yourself or secure yourself. And it's it is baffling to me when we have the freedom that we have through the gospel, through Christ's work that we would want to run back to doing work. And and I know, of course, that's our tendencies and we all do it. But, you know, logically, you know, why Why do we want to go back to proving ourselves when we, we know we can't do it?
1: Yeah, you just said something that reminded me of uh, one of my favorite quotes from Elise Fitzpatrick's book, Give Them Grace, where she talks mm. about how legalism, it does not direct quotes, I don't have it in front of me, but she basically says legalism results in rebellion or self-righteousness. And mm-hmm. she's talking in terms of parenting, and I think it's absolutely true. But I think if you are under some legalistic um, form of Christianity, which is what this is, I think that's what it will do you will either mm-hmm. just get to the point like why even try? I'm going to fail all the time, or you're going to be like I'm. I'm doing pretty good. I haven't worn pants in five months now. You know, and um, I've I've kept the Sabbath, and you know, all, all manner of things, and you'll feel pretty mm-hmm. good about yourself. Sometimes I've I've seen um these women that have come that are kind of coming out of it where they're like I don't even know if I want to be a Christian anymore. You know that. They're discouraged, they feel hopeless because there there is no hope in it. There there isn't. Our Mm. hope is in Christ and his work for us. That's that's where our hope is. Not that I can do all these things, you know, really, really, really well. But we we all read scripture with a certain lens, you know. We we do with a kind of covenant theology understanding. And so they're reading it with this. We're gonna read it. Um, In this first century Jewish way, but they just, they don't, they don't have a correct understanding, you know, of the law, but I think reform theology is so helpful. The other thing I thought of is I am so convinced that a failure to distinguish between law and gospel will result in often some sort of legalism. Mm -hmm. And absolutely. I mean, it can also result in both extremes of Christianity, extremely liberal that starts to deny essential doctrines or an extremely legalistic. Um, but to distinguish between both law and gospel and just think about it for a second. If you if you think that the law and the gospel is the same thing, you're now saying part of the good news is that you should obey. Say there, you know, there's people, Federal Vision for one, that will you know, everything is law, everything is gospel. That and so now it just changes so much about how we see obedience. If the good news is Jesus died for you and you have to obey, <laughs> not really good news, but yeah. when when that's what they're preaching, and this this is essentially what Hebrew Roots is is preaching. True Christians will do ABC. So that person over there probably isn't a true Christian. They, you know, they say they believe in Jesus, but they aren't doing A, B, and C.
0: How would you recommend if you have a friend who's interested in it, or you run to someone online, you're invited into one of these groups and people start talking to you about it? What should we say?
1: Like, where do we go? Probably, probably depends on the person what I have done. And you, you got you to gotta pray for wisdom to navigate it. To Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked last week about the way that we interact online. And one of the things that I have noticed, if you come out and attack somebody, like you're wrong, you're stupid, whatever, they're just gonna dig their heels in naturally deeper, and they're not they're not gonna listen to what you have to say. So I think whether it's this error or anything else is finding ways to have a fruitful conversation. One way that I do that in situations like this is by starting by asking questions. Mm. Tell me more what you believe. Okay. So tell me why you believe that. Okay. Well, what about this? What about this scripture verse? And I, you might not get anywhere, but I've, I've found to get somebody to think through it is, has Mm -hmm. been helpful. Um, Knowing knowing what you believe well um essential doctrines of the Christian faith and the gospel if if you're maybe newer to theology i um a couple books that i would highly recommend starting with uh, is michael horton's core christianity that's a great book just to be strong on those essential doctrines and since people can differ in that movement but ask questions and find out you know where somebody is on those essential doctrines and maybe use that I've rarely seen it work where someone just comes in and says, Hebrew roots is wrong, blah, 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 you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But getting someone to think, and I ask questions. So, how did you end up here? You know, what, why do you like it? Okay. Well, what do you believe about this? And, you know, doing that, you get somebody to think, and then they start thinking, hmm, maybe I need to rethink this. Um, So, finding fruitful ways. To, to have those conversations and they may come to you and then ask you questions, you know, mm-hmm. and you might open, open some doors. Um, you know, I think about totally different thing, but I still think about it. Um, a really close friend of my brother-in-law's um, atheist, and he would come and hang out at, at the house, all these uh, Lutheran pastors and uh, Lutheran, college students and stuff like that. And what they didn't do is be like in his face with Christianity. But they were very open about what they believed. And so there a story this guy ended up becoming a Christian miracle miracle situation, but he he went right to those Christians that he knew because of the way that they had loved him and he said I realized how much theology I knew just right theology I knew just from being at your house and hearing the discussions, um, so sometimes even if it doesn't feel like you're getting anywhere, uh, you never know how the Lord may use that, and exactly. you and might that's not. True of any, yes. Of any time that we're we're witnessing
0: to others, you know, we don't know how someone's going to respond, but we're not responsible for how they respond. We're responsible for being faithful and sharing the gospel with
1: them. I think another thing, if you're looking for what area, I think a good conversation on the law. I I think if you were to ask questions, not in a gotcha way, but to get them Mm -hmm. to think about how they are understanding the law. I think in Reformed theology, we have such an excellent way of understanding the civil law, ceremonial law, and moral law. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that really is is a correct understanding of the law is kind of at the center of where Hebrew roots goes wrong. Um, Because we, you know, as believers believe, yeah, we want to obey because we're free to obey, not because we're obeying to be free, but we're free to obey. Um, Mm -hmm. So, not only how the law is split up in that civil ceremonial and moral law, but also what the purpose of the law is. I think that's that's a good, a good, um, direction to go with it. And even the, the law gospel distinction. So I think if you can kind of get into some conversations about that, I think some of the people that have gotten sucked into this, haven't thought that through really well, you know, they found a community Mm. that's embracing them and they want to be accepted in this community. Um, but they maybe haven't really thought about all the implications to this, um, theology. Oh, that's a good point. No, no it's so easy for any of us to do that. I think about things that I thought I believed about men and women and stuff like when I was young, and then I just hadn't. You know, it's just it's what people believed. <laughs> you know, sure. We, we've seen that a lot with some of the men women stuff. Um, and then you think through it like, okay, wait, I don't know if that makes sense. Not biblically, anyways.
0: Yeah, I think that's, it's important for us to remember to be, um, to be kind, right, to be um, gentle with others, just like, we you know, that the only reason, if, if we have anything that we understand correctly, we do only by God's grace, right? And so, we're going to pray for others, we're going to hope for the best for them, we're going to be gentle in, explanation, in, in our explanations, because, you know, we're not trying to run an argument, we're trying to to encourage someone To come to the faith and to come to truth and to be free right you think of people who are in these systems as people who are enslaved to to the law to a works righteousness and whether they know it or not as we said they're they're going to be miserable eventually when they realize when they realize the weight of what they're trying to keep and so i think gentleness is probably one of the keys
1: yeah, that's like we talked about. If you haven't listened to our episode last week, go listen to it. Needing to be mindful of what Christian charity looks like in in any way that we interact. You know, I think I said something last week that I think people use a pursuit of truth as a justification to be a jerk. Like, mm-hmm. but this is the truth. I got to get out there and proclaim it. And yeah, we should stand for truth, but. We shouldn't neglect the other things that we're called to in God's word, um, pursuing peace and love. I'm going to link a bunch of stuff in the episode notes. And oh, I wanted to say this. I don't want to forget to say this. Um, one of the Alga Gal's admins, uh, she's, if you're not in the group, and you can only come in if you're a woman, but she's uh, doing a whole series through October. She usually does it every October. She's, uh, she does a post every day. She's um, done some posts on the confessions and catechisms. I'm not sure where she's at yet, but those because it's still the beginning of the month. But she's also done something before called Theological Errors Week, and she'll do a post explaining what the error is and a bunch of resources. And she did do one for Hebrew roots. So I'm gonna probably um, put that post that she made in in the episode notes and. Uh, it's it's you know just a brief thing, and then'll I'll see if I can find any more resources. It, there's just not there's just not a ton out there. And so but I think that some of the errors are are pretty clear, and I think we have tools to respond to it with. So well, I I guess we will see you all next week.